Welcome to Witness to Yesterday, the podcast of the Champlain Society. My name is Patrice Dutille. Every fall, the Canada Council reveals its list of finalists for Canada's Governor General's Literary Awards. The categories include fiction, poetry, drama, nonfiction, translation, and young people's literature in both text and illustration. The same categories are applied to works in the French language. In French, the awards are known as Les Prix Littéraires du Gouverneur Général. The Governor General's Literary Awards are a lot older than what we might think. They were established by Governor General Lord Tweedsmuir and the Canadian Authors Association in 1936. They moved into the ambit of the Canada Council in 1959. Andrew David Irvin has put together a big book about the winners of the Governor General's Awards in his Canada's Storytellers, the Gigi Literary Award Laureates. The book includes biographies of all the award winners and is richly illustrated with photographs from Yusuf Karsh, Harry Palmer, and other leading Canadian photographers. It's published by the University of Ottawa Press. Dr. Irvin is a professor of philosophy at the University of British Columbia, and we've reached him at his office. Andrew, welcome to Witness to Yesterday. Well, thanks, Patrice. It's a real pleasure to be here. Andrew, you're the witness to yesterday for this episode. What took place on November 25th, 1937? Well, it was the the first ceremony for the Governor General's annual literary awards. Uh, The ceremony was held at Convocation Hall at the University of Toronto, um, and awards were given to two authors, uh, the Toronto uh, author or novelist um, uh, Bertram Brooker, uh, his novel Think of the Earth uh, won the, 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 the fiction prize, and Thomas B. Robertson uh, from Winnipeg uh, won for the nonfiction or what was then called the, the, the general literature category. Uh, his book was called TBR for Thomas uh, B. Robertson, TBR Newspaper Pieces. Well, let's talk, let's talk about these two gentlemen. Uh, tell me about Bertram Brooker, the first winner for fiction. I knew him as an abstract painter, and I had no idea he'd won the first award. Uh, he was born in England in 1888 and came to Canada with his family in the massive immigration boom of 1905. He was only 17 years old. What more can you tell me about this man? Well, you know, both Brooker and, and Robertson were part of that expansion of the West. That is, they were both immigrants. Uh, both came as relatively young young men. Brooker, when he's a little younger with his family, Robertson as a, a, a young man. Um, and, and you're absolutely right. Uh, I mean, he's, Brooker is famous as a, 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 probably the, the first or one of the first abstract uh, uh, artists uh, in Canada. Um, so he's like Emily Carr. Emily Carr also won uh, a Governor General's Literary Award for her book, Clee Wick. Uh, and but is much more famous uh, as a painter. Uh, so both Carr and, and Brooker sort of share that uh, uh, you know ability to to uh, step in both of these uh, worlds. Um, he he began in Western Canada uh, before moving to Toronto. He owned a movie theater in Nipawa, Manitoba, uh, which uh, some of your listeners might know. That's where Margaret Lawrence uh, was born, and Lawrence uh, also won uh, Governor General's Literary Awards uh, t- uh, twice. Uh, once for a Jest of God. Uh, and once for the diviners. So you're saying that Nipawa, Manitoba is sort of uh, 
ground zero for literary awards in this country. <laughs> well, in the 1930s, it was. <laughs> it was, yeah. So much for Toronto and Montreal and Vancouver. Uh, now you're uh, hurting me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he also, Brooker also had a syndicated column, uh, and he, he wrote quite, uh, quite a bit about the group of seven and other writers and painters. Um, and in 1931, he had a, 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 you know, some art displayed in the, the Art Gallery of Toronto, uh, and uh, it was removed for being a bit too risque. Uh, so he wrote a, a kind of famous essay that, that's still you know, interesting to read today called Nudes and Prudes, uh, which, which uh, kind of got the literary community excited in Toronto in the 1930s. Well, it certainly would summarize Toronto very well, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, I wasn't there then, so I'm not sure. And what about Thomas B. Roberton? This guy was also born in Britain. He, he was born in Scotland. Uh, this was a collection of his journalism, was it? The award he won? It, it was. Uh, so he, uh, he spent some time as a young man in Alberta, but uh, ended up in Manitoba, uh, in Winnipeg. Uh, he started out as an immigrant kind of farm laborer uh, and worked his way up to being assistant editor-in-chief uh, of the, the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, so he had a column in the, the Winnipeg Free Press, and many of those uh, kind of articles ended up uh, in this, this book, his collection of essays. He passed away just before the award was made, and, and so his son George uh, accepted the award on, on his behalf. Uh, and then later on, uh, his, his kind of friends and colleagues uh, edited a second uh, collection of his, his newspaper articles uh, called A Second Helping uh, of Newspaper Pieces. Hmm. I was surprised, um, I guess I was reminded by your book, that it took 23 years for the Governor General's Awards to recognize literature in the French language. In fact, the, the literary awards experimented with various categories over the years. Again, this was a revelation to me. How do you read that evolution of categories? Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a very interesting time in Canadian uh, history, not just literary history, but, but Canadian history more generally, I think. Um, I, I think in the 1960s and 1970s, uh, it, it was sort of often said that the awards had began, begun as this English uh, uh, kind of hegemony, uh, cultural uh, imperialism and so on, and French, the, the French language had been frozen out. Uh, but if you look at the history, it's really quite different. Um, uh, when the awards were first announced in the Globe and Mail, uh, they were intended to be both French uh, and English. Uh, and the award organizers worked hard to try uh, right from the beginning uh, to make the awards in, in French as well as English. Um, but uh, French Canadian authors and publishers and editors really weren't interested at the time. Uh, it, it, you might also know the, the famous prize, the Prix David. Uh, at the time in the 1930s, this was the most uh, famous literary prize in the country, or certainly the richest. Uh, uh, the prizes were $5,000 at the height of the Depression. It was an amazing amount of money. Uh, and Quebec authors and, and publishers really didn't want to be involved in this new kind of upstart award. They thought it might, you know, take away from the Prix David. So for the first couple of decades, uh, uh, you're right, the awards were made uh, in English, English only. But the organizers, uh, you know, every decade or so, you know, knocked on the door of uh, uh, Quebec Literary Society and tried to get them involved. Uh, and it wasn't until about 1959 that, that the awards uh, came out to be in both, both English and French. The Laurent Olivier David, uh, the David Award was named in honor of Laurent Olivier David, who was a famous, uh, well, he was a writer and a politician and a, a lawyer, uh, did all sorts of, of great things. Um, 
But let's talk about categories. The categories around around nonfiction also evolved over time, didn't they? They, they did. So you're right. It began uh, the, the first year they had three categories. I mentioned that there were two awards given. Uh, the third category was poetry. Uh, and they, they, in the, the opinion of the judges, there wasn't a suitable uh, book of poetry that first year. But right from the beginning, the awards were in uh, uh, general literature, in, in fiction and poetry. Those expanded uh, into uh, two nonfiction categories, uh, uh, an academic nonfiction and a creative nonfiction. So the people writing Memoirs were, were sort of awarded the award in one category, and historians and scholars uh, in the other category. Um, and then in the uh, about 1959, as you say, uh, the awards changed again, the categories changed again. They did away with the juvenile category, which which troubled the organ the original uh, organizers from the uh, Canadian Authors Association a great deal, um, but introduced uh, French language categories as well as English language categories. I, I raised this, I mean, I was fascinated to read about this because I'm, I have to say, as, as a historian, I'm really frustrated at how seldom history books make it to the finalist category, let alone win. The last time history historians won uh, was, in both cases, 2016, when uh, Bill Wazer one for his uh, A World We Have Lost, Saskatchewan before 1905, and Roland Villot's Histoire Autochtone was also recognized. Uh, it seems as though the Governor General's award is now favoring memoirs far more than either uh, a good piece of history or a good piece of, of literary criticism. I'm not just defending historians here, uh, or good solid journalism, uh, extended journalism. Uh, it, I mean, I'm asking you to speculate here, Andrew, uh, but is there potential for, for an evolution of categories in the future? Well, I don't know about the evolution of categories, but, <laughs> but it's certainly true. I mean, as you've described it, I, I think that's correct, but it's certainly true uh, that over the decades, um, uh, the juries uh, have uh, had various fashions, if you like. Uh, so just as you might expect during World War II, uh, all the winning books were about World War II. It, it simply dominated uh, you know, Canadian literary culture because it dominated Canada uh, at the time. Um, and in the 1960s, uh, you know, the awards were, were sort of criticized early on for not being a kind of hip and with it and observing the counterculture of the day. But then uh, it, it, it turned and it, that became a dominant theme for a decade. Uh, and if you were, uh, you know, a conservative author or, or representing something else, you were kind of frozen out. Uh, so these these uh, kind of fashions do come and they do go. Um, uh, I, and I think looking at the history uh, of the awards over the last 85 years, years, it, it really is the kind of history of what's in the air at Canada at the time. Uh, and certainly in the 1970s, that was a, a kind of dominant time for Canadian historians, um, not just with these awards, but with publishing in general. Um, Canadian philosophers have done pretty poorly, uh, although some uh, have won over, over the, the time in the nonfiction category. Um, uh, but, but you're absolutely right. Right now, it does seem to be that the focus is on memoirs. Well, I give you the right to defend your parish as a philosopher. <laughs> Let's talk about Lord Tweedsmuir, uh, who helped bring about this award. This man is no slouch uh, in his own day. Tell me about Lord Tweedsmuir. 
Well, both Lord and Lady Tweedsmore were really remarkable people. Um, the awards themselves began with the Canadian Authors Association. That is, uh, it was members of the Canadian Authors Association, especially in Toronto, uh, that wanted to introduce an, a national award. And just as they uh, were in the process of doing so, uh, Lord Tweedsmere was appointed Governor General. And uh, as you, you probably know, uh, he, he was a, a world-famous author uh, from Britain. By the time he died, he published over 100 uh, fiction and non-fiction books, uh, mostly under the name John Buchan, which was his given name, but some under the, the, the name Lord Tweedsmere. And uh, the CAA was just thrilled uh, that uh, an author of this uh, magnitude was, was now Governor General. So they knocked on his door and uh, a partnership was born. Uh, and as I say, both Lord and Lady Tweedsmere uh, uh, were, were very supportive uh, of the idea of introducing uh, these awards. Uh, and, and so the awards began. Tweedsmere himself, as you say, was a remarkable uh, person. While he was still a student at Oxford, if you can believe this, uh, he published six novels uh, <laughs> in the time that he was an undergraduate. <laughs> so this is a man of, of a lot of energy. Uh, during World War I, uh, he was appointed head uh, of uh, intelligence uh, for the British government. Uh, and by the end of the war, he published a 24-volume history of World War I. Um, his most famous novel was 39 Steps, which was made into a movie, I think three times, but the first time by Alfred Hitchcock. Yes. Uh, so uh, at, in his day, he was a, a pretty influential person within literary circles as well as government circles. And he's married to a remarkable woman, Lady Tweedsmere. Uh, absolutely. She was also an author. Uh, she published both under the, her name Susan Buchan, but also Susan uh, Tweedsmere. Uh, and at the height of the Depression, uh, uh, because I'm in Western Canada, this, this, this is still remembered. Uh, at the height of the Depression, she organized the Prairie Library Scheme, uh, which distributed about 40,000 books to libraries in Western Canada. Uh, so both of them, I, th I think, were, were a kind of remarkable presence in Canada uh, in the 1930s. It's a nice combination, the Canadian Authors Association and the Tweedsmures. I mean, that's a, a nice way to bring about a, a new award. A absolutely. What surprised you most, Andrew, as, as you put this collection of winners together? What surprised you the most about it? The awards, whether we know it or not, in one sense, they're sort of familiar to all of us, right? Uh, whether it's Alice Munro or Gabrielle Roy, uh, Andachi, Marshall McLuhan, Atwood, Burton, uh, Annie Baer, all, all of these people are, are sort of in our consciousness and they've all won Governor General's Literary Awards. Uh, before Alice Munro won the Nobel Prize, she'd won three uh, Governor General's Literary Awards. Um, so in, in some sense, the awards, I, I think, are pretty familiar to, to most of us. Uh, but I guess uh, one thing that surprised me was how closely or how influential, I guess, uh, the awards have been on Canadian culture. Uh, that, that is, with, with, you know, if you, as you follow Canadian culture through uh, the 1930s, 40s, 50s, 60s, up until today, um, you see, uh, you know, the, the Great Depression, you see World War II, the Cold War, you see transformative periods of immigration, uh, you, you see all the things that are, are kind of on the front pages of the newspapers at the time uh, reflected uh, in the awards. And I suppose I, I shouldn't have been surprised by that, but I, I was, uh, if you're a historian, um, you know, remember there, there, there's more than just uh, uh, the, the, the fiction award and the poetry award. There's, there are non-fiction awards and children's awards and so on. And looking at the, uh, you know, the, the body of literature as a whole, which is, is really quite remarkable, uh, you, know, you, you really get a good idea for how the country uh, has, has evolved uh, over the last 85 years.
One other thing that surprised me was when I did the bibliography, um, I discovered five titles <laughs> that uh, won awards that hadn't been on the official list. Oh, really? Uh, and so that was a real pleasure to to, to kind of be able to complete uh, in a, a, a careful sense uh, the, the history of the awards that way. Can you can you give me an example of something that's been forgotten? I, I can. The juvenile category was introduced uh, by the Canadian Authors Association. Uh, it ran uh, beginning in 1946. For the first two years, uh, no award was made. But in uh, 1948, the British Columbia author Haig Brown uh, won for a, a children's book or a youth uh, book called Saltwater Summer. And that doesn't usually appear on, on the, uh, the, the award lists. Uh, but it was reported in the Globe and Mail, in the Vancouver Sun, in the, you know, the various papers across the country. And, and when I went to the archives, uh, I was able to find you know, kind of the confirming minutes uh, that made the awards. So, so that was a real pleasure to, to be able to help uh, set that historical record right. Good for Roderick Haig Brown, then. Yeah. <laughs> You're bringing him back to our memory. How many people have won more than one award? More than 100. I, I, I think um, nearly 117 about uh, have won more than one award. So in the 85 years that the awards have been going, um, over 600 authors, illustrators, poets, translators uh, have won awards. Uh, 117 people have won more than once. And who won the most? Well, uh, two people are tied for that. Uh, Hugh McLennan, that uh, older members of your, your audience might remember, and Ondaatje, Michael Ondaatje. Yeah. Uh, both of them have won five times. Uh, Mary Claire Blay, uh, uh, if you're in Quebec, it's a famous uh, author, of course. She's won four times, but in addition, three of her books have also won the Translation Award. Uh, so seven of her titles have won, uh, but uh, McLennan and Ondaatje have each won five times. I'm always happy that translation has been recognized uh, by the Governor General's Awards. You know, it is relatively new. It began in the 1980s, uh, but uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, uh, you know, for those of us that, that really aren't fluent in both languages, it, it's a, a, just a real pleasure to be able to read some of the translations. How do you think the winning titles have aged Andrew, do they have they aged well? You, you, you say that we can read Canada's history through those books, through the winners, but have they aged well? Are they readable today? No, I, I think it's a mixed bag. Uh, many of them are, are just a pleasure to read still, whether it's from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. You know, you can pick them up uh, and, and, and read them through with, with great pleasure. You know, others uh, haven't aged as well. That, that's, that's true. Uh, but, um, uh, you know, I've had a look at an awful lot of them. And I, I must say that even the forgotten titles uh, are, are pretty interesting because what they do is they, they tell a reader what people in Canada thought was important at the time. Uh, and looking back, you might say, oh, well, that sort of missed the, the boat or, or something. But, but you know, even the forgotten titles, I, I think, uh, kind of give us, if you're a historian or historically minded, give us real insight into the literary life of the, the, the country. So thinking about awards, how do you think the Governor General Awards uh, compare with similar ones in Britain, the USA or France? I mean, we, we hear a lot about the, the winners of those awards. How does our how does our the Canadian award the Governor General compare to those? Well, the, the GGs began in 1936. Uh, south of the border, the the Pulitzer began in 1917. So it it has a couple of decades uh, uh, longer history. 
uh, you know, s- several Canadians have won Pulitzer Prizes as well. And they're just like the, the GGs, they're given in a number of categories, uh, you know, for journalism and uh, fiction writing and so on. Uh, so that, that's a, a pretty close uh, comparator, I think. Um, and I, I think just as uh, the Pulitzers had a kind of influence on American culture, the GGs have had a, a similar uh, influence on, on Canadian culture. Uh, in the UK, the, the Booker Prize, which is maybe the most famous, um, was well began about 1969. Uh, so you know, 30 years later, um, on Dotchie's English Patient, uh, I think is the only Canadian uh, title that's won the, the the Booker. But before it won the Booker, it won the the GG uh, award. Um, the Nobel Prize, uh, of course, is is famous for literature. Uh, Alice Munro uh, won, but before that, she won three uh, GG awards. So, uh, you know, I, I think the, the kind of reputation of the, the awards is secure, in part just because of the influence they have uh, on Canadian culture. Uh, and that's not to say that we could agree and that we always think they got the, that the jury's got the right award, but they've always done their job uh, in promoting discussion, uh, in raising the profile of important and upcoming authors. I think you can take real pleasure uh, that here's a, a kind of uniquely Canadian award that's done its job. And of course, we have Danny Laferriere, who won the Governor General's Award and who's now sitting in the Académie Française in Paris. A- absolutely. I forgot to mention that in our household, it's a, a, his, his winning book is kind of a famous children's book, uh, Je suis uh, fou de Vavan. I'm crazy about Vavan. It's, it's a, a wonderful story about a little boy and little girl. Uh, and, uh, and the artwork is spectacular as well. So uh, several uh, of the GG winners uh, are now in the Académie Française. What do you think then, as we as we look back, what do you think the GGs say about the state of letters in our country? Well, um, again, it's it, you know, for anybody that's historically minded, it's it's good to look at them in their entirety. You know, I, I think you can get a real uh, understanding of how, as you say, the state of letters has gone up and down uh, over the decades. Uh, in in Canada, fifteen governors general uh, have continued to give recognition to Canadian authors and illustrators and translators. Uh, and there have been times when when one of the categories is kind of dominant. I mean, it's on everybody's must read list, and others, uh, uh, you know, not so much. But overall, I think they've done a tremendous job of of kind of encouraging writers to put pen to paper, of encouraging readers uh, to to have a look at at what's on you know what's in the bookstores uh, these days. And you know, even at times when, say, nonfiction writing or, or poetry or something has, has kind of gone down and waned a little bit and then come back up, uh, the, the awards have been there to motivate Canadians. And uh, in, in that sense, I, I think they've just done a terrific job. I think that the winning authors or the winning works should be made into movies. <laughs> that would perhaps spread the word. Well, in the bibliography, also published with University of Ottawa Press, we do have a, a section that lists all the known movies and television programs and so on uh, for the various awards. And, and really, it's, it's an impressive list. Absolutely. I mean, and, and I say, I, I only wish that these works were recognized uh, beyond uh, the readers so that uh, we could attract viewers and through that medium make Canadians even more aware of the richness of, of their literature. Andrew, I want to finish with you. You teach philosophy, logic, uh, philosophy of law. You're a specialist on Bertrand Russell. Uh, you've written on the history of mathematics. You're the author of books on on logic and reason. 
What's brought you to this topic? Oh, it's it's easy. Um, uh, as as used bookstores have begun to disappear across the country, and as publishing uh, has been moving online, some of this literary history has been on the verge of being lost. And uh, as, as I say, you know, in doing the bibliography for for this uh, project, we were able to discover five books that that won awards that weren't listed on the original list. And as the used bookstores are disappearing, some of this literary history is just on the verge of being lost. So I have two um, assistant editors who helped me with the project, but the three of us thought uh, this is an important cultural institution uh, that, that matters to Canadians. We know it does simply because of the, the book sales uh, that result from the awards. Uh, it's been influential over the decades now for 85 years. Uh, and if if people didn't uh, you know, take a moment and, and try and reconstruct the history now, uh, there's a chance it could have been lost forever. As I listen to you, I'm inspired to uh, to make a project of systematically going over these titles and making myself a list of books that, that I should read and rediscover. Uh, it'd be, a, it'd be a, a duty as a Canadian. Well, I don't know. I think if it's if it's fun, you should do it. Uh, I think you should have a, a rule that if after five pages the book's not for you, don't feel obligated <laughs> to read it. <laughs> but at the same time, you're right. There are, there are just a lot of amazing treasures uh, waiting to be discovered. And many of them are controversial. Guzenko uh, yes. in 1954, the famous uh, uh, Soviet cipher that defected to Canada. Uh, he won the, the, the Fiction Award in 54. And uh, uh, he lived... Uh, uh, you know, in Canada, but he didn't attend this ceremony just because he was still worried about assassination by the Soviet Union. Uh, Leonard Cohen was offered an award in 1968, but declined it over the next three or four years uh, with four other Quebec authors. Mordecai Richler's uh, cocksure won in 68, but it was kind of panned. Uh, many of the papers thought it was pornography uh, at the time. And looking back today, uh, you know, a few decades later, it's pretty mild stuff. <laughs> uh, um, so th there are lots of treasures here, lots of excitement. Uh, and as I say, if you're interested in Canadian history, uh, what a wonderful way to be introduced to it. Well, I think your book has succeeded brilliantly in that regard. And it's, uh, I think it provides Canadians with uh, wonderful reading lists that will inspire them for a long time. Thank you. Well, thank you. That was Andrew David Irvin, and his book is Canada Storytellers, the Governor General's Literary Award Laureates. It is published by the University of Ottawa Press. Before I go, I want to remind our listeners that this podcast is made possible by the members of the Champlain Society, whose annual memberships make everything we do possible. Thank you. Thanks also to our growing list of sponsors, including the Hudson's Bay Company History Foundation the L.R. Wilson Institute of History at McMaster University, and a consortium of Canadian scholarly book publishers that includes the University of Toronto Press, the University of British Columbia Press, McGill-Queens University Press, the University of Regina Press, and the University of Ottawa Press. There's a way for you, the listener, to support this podcast. Please go to thechamplainsociety.ca to make a quick donation. The Champlain Society is a registered charity and will provide you with a tax receipt for any donation over $20. Any support goes a long way as the Champlain Society receives no government support for its operations. This is something that always surprises people. And don't forget to support this podcast by telling all your friends in whatever way you prefer. My name is Patrice Dutil. This interview was recorded in the middle of a pandemic on August 10th, 2021 by Jessica Schmidt. 
Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.